Hey, y'all. Welcome to Amazon's Black Stories podcast, where we highlight the stories of Black designers, researchers, and creatives from all around the world. I'm your host, Justin James Lopez, and today I'm joined by Maurice Mo Woods. And we talk about how life is by design and everything in life is by design and thinking about how we can use that knowledge to redesign a better world. Let's hear his story. So Mo, thanks for joining me today. I think that this is a really exciting episode. I've been excited to learn more about your story and I've read and and seen a lot of the work that you do. But for the listeners here, talk to us a little bit about where you are today, like at this point in time. Like you are a designer, you're also the founder and executive director of the Interact Project, but talk to us a little bit about what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a man of many hats, much to my own demise at some point. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I dabble in between providing for my family and then also following the thing that I really, really love to do. And, you know, through all of that, I try to do my best to, to make sense with things that I can and cannot do and try to have the most impact on different people that I work with. From a career standpoint, you know, I'm a designer at Microsoft. Specifically, I'm a principal designer. So up to this point, I've been an individual contributor, which basically means that I lead projects. Sometimes I manage designers on these projects. I set, you know, the the principles or set various different practices for how to move design forward. Sometimes I'm also actually designing things. So I'm getting my hands dirty at some point and ultimately just trying to be a leader on the team the best that I can be to help support other designers to, you know, design their best work. And, you know, it can be a challenging thing to do because, you know, once you get to a point where you're leading projects, you have the responsibility of making sure that you're going through all the proper steps to ensure that you're building the best experience for people. And it's not only just about just designing, it's about a strategy and thinking through how do you operationalize design for this project so that things get done in the right way, including research, content designers, PMs, and engineers, and sort of create the swim lanes for everybody to sort of work in and work together. And at the same time, be visionary in that approach and make sure that the concepts and things that are being talked about are actually leading to making sure that teams are activated towards the right goals for the project. It's not as, you know, always very easy and streamlined to do. Sometimes, you know, there's tough conversations. Sometimes there's a bit of work around just, you know, getting everybody on the same page, but it is, you know, part of the job to make sure that, you know, I use whatever means I can, whatever experience I have to keep the project moving forward and getting it to the customers in a way where they can actually improve their lives or at least, you know, make the work that they're doing a lot more efficient and better. So that's essentially what I do at Microsoft as a principal designer. And I've been there for about, man, I think I've been there, man, for about four and a half years. It's crazy. It seemed like, man, 
<laughs> man, your boy been there for for a minute, and, and you know, tech years—that's long. Yeah, and it's it's that, yeah, it's a your your borderline lifer, right? You, you heard this kind con- of concept like lifers, man. Yeah. You, man, you, <laughs> you know how this, it. man. Listen, man, you know, tech years—it's like I've been there for twenty years, man. You know, you know, uh, you know, it's just. It's different than when, you know, I used to work the design agency route where, you know, you could be at a place for many, many years. Now, you know, you're there for two years, man. You're kind of looking to bounce out and and, and move on to the next thing, especially here in the Bay Area where there's so much competition. You know, there's so many companies and everybody's vying for talent here. So I've been there for a while, but the thing of it is, is that although that does bring me you know, a lot of joy. It really brings out the creative side of me. The passion that I have for the things that I do with Interact Project is what really drives me personally. I think that I've become so accustomed to Interact Project and working on that and, and working to sort of bring opportunities to people of color, specifically Black and Latinx folks, that it's been, you know, just part of who I am. And I carry that across all the things that I do in my personal and work life, you know, it's been 17 years. Yeah. Yeah. You've been working on that for a while. Yeah, man. Thank, I mean, listen, this, this work is, it never stops. You know, you got to be committed. I've seen a lot of people get in there and get out and, you know, it's not any testament to their work or their will. It's just, it's hard work and it takes a lot of time and a lot of dedication and it's multi-layered. So that's what I do, man. You know, Interact Project, Microsoft, and my last and, and you know, most I think covenant private thing is my my personal life being a dad and being a husband. You know, my son specifically right now, he's playing basketball. You know, I used to play professional basketball, you know, in Europe. In, in, in Asia for many, many years, you know, it's funny, man, because it's like I ask him who his favorite basketball player is, and he said, you, daddy. And I was like, man, <laughs> you really? You gotta love it. Oh, but I'm like, <laughs> man, Curry, you know, I mean, Curry, Durant, LeBron, me, really? All right, okay, if, you, if that's your answer, okay. And he's never seen me play, but, you know, I think that it's it's cool that he's really into it and, you know, he enjoys the sport. And I just try to do the best I can to really try to like help him get the best that he can be. And that brings me a tremendous amount of joy. I feel like I've really reconnected with that side of me ever since, you know, I've been reflecting during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. It's really sort of taught me to really rethink the things that are important to me. And those things certainly are. There's definitely a lot going on there, right? And I think that that's what makes your story so exciting to to hear about is because there's so many different like apexes to your story. And I want to talk about the origin point, right? When you think about, you mentioned being a basketball player, even being a professional basketball player and being from, you're from Richmond, California, correct? Yeah. So I'm not really too familiar with Richmond, but I grew up on the, the East Coast, right? And in what we call a food desert, right? Or the hood or the ghetto, however people want to describe it. And in these spaces, you really do get driven by very specific things. Like I, I know from watching some of like your history and your videos that you do talk about a lot of these very common themes of, you know, really seeing 
like music as 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 an outlet, really seeing sports as another outlet. Because I, growing up, I I really saw the same things, but you know, three thousand miles away. So yep. you you really see these pockets of of society where there's there's this absence of right, and you ended up getting to design, but you started in in sports and you started to you know down that road because that's really kind of something you mentioned in one of your previous interviews was this idea of exposure is key, right? You you mentioned right. that. And I thought that, that was really dope because the reality of that is I wasn't exposed to design as a career path or any of that. So how did you get from growing up in Richmond, California, being a sports player, you got a scholarship for sports and then you even you move on beyond that point to then saying, you know what, I think I want to do design and finding the passion that you have for it now. Yeah, it's interesting because I never thought I'd be doing exactly what I'm doing now. You know, I think each person has purpose and you have to find that purpose for yourself. And then sometimes that pathway to that purpose is not always clear. You have to have lived experiences to really understand what your purpose is. I didn't know what that was when I was in high school. I wanted to be an NBA player. You know, I had my mind set up of what I was going to do. And I mean, you can't, couldn't blame me. I was 6'10", you know, I was hooping, doing all the basketball circuit stuff, you know, travel ball, doing all that. Successful. Averaging a lot of points, averaging a lot of rebounds. And, uh, you know, I went to a D1 Pac-10 school. And that was it for me. You know, I was like, you know, hey, if I, if I can do that, I'm finna go to the school and try to get to the league. That was my mentality. Mm-hmm. It wasn't nothing about no design, nothing. Even though I used to like to draw and I used to do all a lot of that stuff when I was a kid, it was just not even a thought. It was I'm hooping. That's what I'm. That's what I'm going to do. And um, it came down to really a decision. And it was, I think, you know, in a lot of ways the decision became easy to me because I was kind of forced in a position where, you know, when I went to the University of Washington to start hooping, I wasn't playing. And, you know, you got to imagine like the the ego shattering that that happens, right? Like you the man in high school and then you go to college and then you ain't, you know, the first year you red shirting and then you ain't playing. And then you got to be like, dang, man, what's, you know, I had all these dreams and all these thoughts of doing this and that. It don't look like that thing going to happen. And I couldn't go back to the hood with nothing. You know, I was like, you know, look, hey, you know, there's a lot of people that wish they got the opportunity I got. And I wasn't fitting to be like, you know what, I'm just going to can it in and just go back home just because I ain't playing or this ain't going right. And I knew I had that opportunity. I was like, you know what, I'm going to find something. So, you know, after a couple of years, I was like, I ain't going to make it right now. At least the, the trajectory I'm doing now I ain't playing. You know, I could see in the future that I may get playing time, but I wasn't going to be the guy. So I'm like, all right, so what can I do? And that's when I started looking around and, and, you know, moms and me, we were just looking through a catalog. And that's how old I am. We were looking through a catalog. We were, it was nothing digital. So it was crazy trying to look through a super, like a, a telephone book, man. It was thick. So these young kids now, they got it easy. They oh, just, man, they got it easy, <laughs> man. Just you type just it go, in. Just search. Just do search and type in some stuff. And now, man, I mean, back then it was just 
whew, it was crazy, man, trying to look through all of that and trying to read through things and trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And I actually started in architecture, man. Like, I went there and I was like, you know, I'm finna do this. And I took one class and they start hitting me with that math stuff. And I was like, oh, man, I'm done, man. I'm out of this. I can't. Math ain't for me. It's never been for me. And I was like, all right, I can't do this. This this is not me. And then that's when I was like, oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. This this is about to be crazy. And then mom and myself, we, we, we sat down. We went over that catalog. And then she found graphic design. She was like, all right, you know, what about this? And then I looked at it. I was like, reading it. And it's just like, oh, okay. Hmm, let me see what that's about. And, you know, I took a class. And back then, I didn't know what it was, man. I'm like, man, I'm just walking in this class. I used to like to draw and, I, you know, they do some drawing stuff in there. Mm-hmm. And I just walked into that joint, not even knowing that I was going up against like two, three hundred other students. I didn't even know any of that stuff. I was just taking a class. Yeah. You know, one thing led to another. I got, I had to get through two classes. I got through the first one got through the second one and then got into the program. And then was, the rest was history, man. That, that's really all how it happened. It wasn't planned, you know? That's, so that's the origin point, right? You realized, hey, this plan that I had for so long may not have been the plan that's really meant for me, right? Because, I mean, realistically, you, you, got, I mean, you ended up going and playing professionally, you know? So, like, you could have done that, right? But you, you found something. And I want to kind of dive into that right there because you mentioned like you you like to draw when you were younger and that's kind of what sparked that connection even when you got to college to to kind of get through those two classes get into the program and then you know it's history ever since that but when you were younger and I guess this kind of bleeds into some of the work that you do with interact as well but when you were younger and you were drawing were there any other outlets aside from you just liking drawing for you to actually, because I know I didn't have any design programs. I didn't have any arts programs. Those things were cut, right? And again, this this exposure is key theme that, that you have with, with some of the work that you do in the interviews that, you, that you've had. You work with exposing underserved communities to this kind of world. And one question that I had, and it might be a little controversial, but it's like, are these communities underserved or systematically excluded? I'll start a little bit with a little bit of this. Like, you know, first and foremost, when I was a young, it was, for me, it was, even though I wasn't thinking about what design is, I was caught up in a creative, artistic time in our generation, which was hip hop. You know, I, I tell people all the time that I feel like graphic design is our people's hip hop because it is creative and a business opportunity at the same time once you master your craft. You know, the same way that, you know, music and hip hop was to us where we were being creative and then we figured out how to monetize that creativity in a certain way. And, you know, I was break dancing, I was DJing, I was drawing, I was doing graffiti, I was into that creative space that, you know, my people was in, feel me? Like, like that's what I was in. I was in that mode. And I think that I always had that connection to the culture that way. And so art became an extension of my creative outlet. Basketball was part of it too. So don't, don't get me wrong. Like 
Basketball is a creative outlet. It's not just about the sport and playing and strategy and and body movement. It's a form of creativity. It's physical expression too, right? Yeah, yeah. And, And it is really, I think, all of these things really sort of led me to be laser focused around what I wanted to do when I, when I got older. And it just obviously basketball was part of that. But then, you know, because I had that other creative interest, things that I knew that I wanted to do, it became easier. So I'll say that. In terms of like the underserved part, I don't use underserved when I talk about people of color. And it's my preference. I used to use it. I don't use it anymore. I use the word underrepresented or marginalized. And over the course of years that I've been doing this work, those words have changed so much. And I'm sure you know this, like, you know, even the definition of what diversity is has changed so much. Just like soon as as, uh, black people, we get, you know, a, a name associated to us, like diversity or something like that, it just starts to evolve and change and become something else. And I don't like using the underserved for me personally. I'm not saying that other people should stop using it or anything like that. But for me, it was like, I didn't want to use any what I felt were negative terms about people of color and myself. And I felt like the underserved, it just sounds like we just don't have anything or we don't have, there's a lack of, it's like, it's coming from a place of we are lacking or we don't have or we don't. And that may be true in some extent, but I don't like to categorize our people into that level of pushback against um, who we are as a people and defining who we are as a people. So I tend to use more neutral words like underrepresented, which basically just means that there's just not enough of us in this. There's not enough of us in that or marginalized to sort of capture the meaning behind people that have been oppressed. So it's less about who we are and more about, you know, what's actually happening out there in terms of people of color, particularly Black and Latinx. So that's how I frame when I try to, you know, talk with my team and on various different podcasts and talks and stuff. I really try to use those words that sort of don't denigrate. They up-level and support and talk about, like, what it is that's actually happening out there as it applies to careers in design. Yeah. Let's talk about that. And then the work that you're doing for these spaces. And I like that, right? Like I like the the logic there as well of like you move away from the, these negative connotations that are associated to these words and then really just tell the story of what it is. Like I'm I'm just describing of what what it is and and sometimes that that reality may suck, right? To be to be honest. But your work outside of your professional sphere well, I guess it's still professional, but it's it's more of like your personal project that you've you've built, right? For the past what seventeen years now, it is the Interact project. Like in your own words, what was the origin point for that? Like why why was this needed, and why did you create that? It's crazy. Like like so much of my life, I mean, I never thought I would be running an Interact project like this. I, you know. I took a step, you know, I, I was in graduate school. I was done playing basketball, you know. I came back to the United States, you know, I came back to graduate school, you know, I was taking classes, 
in one class in particular, Annabelle Gould, who's one of my professors at University of Washington, Seattle, challenged our graduate class to work on a project or come up with an idea that uses design to change the world. And now that I think about it now, it, you know, <laughs> the first thing that came into my mind was like, my people, how can I use the things that I've learned over the years through design, through playing basketball in Europe, growing up in the hood, all of these things, and my love for design to change people's lives, particularly Black and Latinx. I was really sort of conflicted about that because I wanted to do something. I didn't really know how to do it. So I took that moment to actually try to come up with a proposal. And uh, quite honestly, I took the project very literal. You know, I wasn't like trying to like really start something then. I was trying to come up with a proposal. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to write this up for this class. And then I was like, all right, as part of this work, I'm going to write this thing up. And then I'm going to, you know, teach these kids and just see what it do. And, uh, you know, June 2004, man. I mean, it was like <laughs> I, I was working with two or three kids at a community center. And by the end of that summer, I was working with 30. Yeah. And then I was just like, oh, man, this is crazy, man. Like, like there's something here. So I just I just kept it on. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm just going to keep it going. And that's what I did. And I just never gave up. And what led to that was, you know, and we still kind of deal with this today, to be honest, man. I mean, it's like we talk a lot about there's not enough black designers in this business. Well, we were talking about that 20 years ago. And 40 years ago, we were talking about that. And when I started Interact Project, you know, it was during the time when I was doing a lot of investigation around my work around black aesthetics and the importance of visual aesthetics and black people's contribution to visual aesthetics or just our contributions in general to American culture. And so, Obviously, I had the graphic design slant on that because I'm a graphic designer, but I wanted to know it because when I was in design school, all the design heroes were white or Asian or other. And I was like, where are the black people? You know, and of course, I'm like the only black person in the class, like, you know, so many black people are. And I'm like looking around. I'm like, where's my people at? I'm looking in all these books, these history books about designers. And I'm like, I don't see our people anywhere. And I knew that they were out there, but I didn't see them. So I was like, all right, how can we change this? This can't be happening 20, 40 years from now. We shouldn't be talking about this. And I wanted to do something to change that. So that's why I started Interact Project. That's why I stuck with it. I was inspired by all of the support that I got from the University of Washington down to the community organizations I work with, my folks at TAF, you know, my boy Zithri. At TAF, you know, and Trish, they were uh, the first nonprofit organization that I partnered with. And they totally supported me. They helped me get Interact Project going. You know, I also had support from my good friend, Tony Gable. You know, may his soul rest in peace. He was my dude, man. And he was the first Black graphic designer I met in Seattle. And, you know, he was the reason why I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep going on this because he helped me. He helped me get out. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do some, some of this stuff for other people too. And then that's kind of how 
Interact Project evolved, it came out of all of that energy that was happening around like just not seeing my people represented in these history books. Also, all of my investigations around Black aesthetics and the importance of, you know, the Black thought and Black ideas and creative culture of Black people manifested through all of these images. And the fact that, you know, we weren't present in any of those conversations that were communicating about our people. And so that spawned me to be like, you know what, I got to do something about it. I got Interact Project. Started off three. I got 30. I was inspired by that. So I said, I'm going to keep going. I was getting a lot of community support. You know, you know, I had kids in my class I was working with every year. And then it just grew and grew and grew. And we're still here today. It's wonderful to hear because I think like, I, as I mentioned before, like I didn't have, uh, and I know it's like so many kids and probably the kids in, 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 the, in the program that are benefiting from the Interact Project they experienced this where we don't have, like all of our arts programs were cut, right? Like growing up, all of our, all of these programs were cut and we didn't have access. We didn't have resources. We didn't have that exposure. And you're giving that exposure back to, to basically almost add that to the, the court, like the big theme now. Um, and it's been for a while, but specifically now, like it's, they're embedding like the STEM fields into core curriculum, but like, it's almost like, what you're working on is adding the D to that as well, right? Of like, well, you, this should be a part of the core curriculum that let these, you know, these next generations know that as they grow, that this is a, this is not only a viable, but a necessary career field for us to continue to grow and, and build our creative expression. Because from your perspective, like, where does design lay in that spectrum when it comes to you look at, you know, the STEM, the, the emphasis they put on that, where does design lay on that on that ranking system? The way that I look at it is speaking of Zithri, you know, he and I have been doing some work actually lately around this and really defining this space around design education, specifically for kids and, and people of color, black, Latinx. And you know, right now there's this term that was coined by IDEO design thinking. We're coining our own phrase, design readiness. That is a, a culmination of three things. Awareness, that is skills, and that is mentoring. So those three key areas are what we're working now even more so than ever to really sort of put together proper assessment tools to help us really understand that more. But the moral of the story is, is that our work over the last 17 years has touched across really those three major areas and we've seen results from those. It's funny, man, because it's like, you know, I was going to post this, I should just post this on Twitter, but I have one student that, uh, you know, many years ago when I started Internet Project, I think it was maybe 2008, he was a middle schooler then. He took my, my Internet Project course and, he, you know, he took, some as a middle school kid, and then he kind of left and went to high school and kind of moved on. And he went and came back one time for a lecture that we had. I had my man Dwayne Edwards, you know, participate in, in a in a discussion or a lecture. And he came to that because, you know, Dwayne Edwards designed the Jordan 21-22 shoe. So, you know, we had interest in that, and he came to that. The interesting story is, I hadn't talked to him in years. I kind of lost contact with him because back then, I mean, I didn't have the means to be able to track all the students, man. It was just me 
and a bunch of volunteers. So we just didn't have the resources. We were doing what we can to teach kids, but in terms of actually measuring and following up with students and keeping up with them year to year was just too much. We're working with a lot of students and it was just too much. But what happened was really interesting because I ran into him about a month ago, maybe a month and a half. And I was at the local YMCA working out with my son early in the morning. I was just finished working out with him. And then this kid or this adult came up to me and was like, man, he's like, you know, he was like, are you that, are you that guy who, who ran that design program? I said, Interact Project? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't remember me? I was in your class when I was in middle school. And I was like, kind of thinking, I was like, gosh, he looks familiar. He was like, yeah, 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 man. I, I, you know, I took your classes and I remember also taking those classes and that lecture with Dwayne Edwards. I remember that. He said that totally changed my life, man. He's like, now I'm a motion designer because of that. Oh, that's massive. And the point is skills, awareness, mentoring. So you never know what area is going to impact somebody for the rest of their life. Yeah. It can be teaching them something. It can be them just going to a lecture and hearing something. It can be somebody listening on this podcast who just like, man, I didn't think about that, man. Yeah, maybe I need to kind of do this. It could be, you know, me working with the many different young, you know, black men and women that I, I open myself up to on LinkedIn to just connect with me and I'll just help you out. I'll do what I can. All of those things add up. And, you know, we have kids that are, you know, doing various different things, but they're all connected from these various different touch points. And to kind of bring it back to the STEM part, you know, I think that we have a lot of, of ways of sort of determining, you know, the work that we do at Interact Project. You know, there's lots of programs and events and things that we do, but we look at it as regardless of where you come in, whether middle school, high school, college, early career, that you should be able to come to the Interact Project and find the right skills or the right opportunities that you need in any given time. That's what we've been building over the years and it's taken a long time. And that design readiness formula is what we use to understand how we're impacting our students and how do we get them to a point where they have enough of skills, awareness, and mentorships to be able to be successful or be ready to take on a job or, you know, get to college or whatever that is that they want to do in their career. So that's kind of like the summation of what, you know, our formula and how we equate the work that we're doing. And it's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's tricky because, you know, a lot of the work that I see in STEM is it's engineering led, but then there is also this aspect of formalizing how people learn, you know, tech skills. And I think design is a form of tech skills, but it goes beyond that. And I think, you know, because we've become so accustomed to design in our world that we don't always realize its impact in our lives. And what I mean by that is, is that, and I say this all the time, and I really mean this, man, it's like, if you just look around you, you see design all around you. And I'm not talking about just the, 
machines and the technical parts of it. If you look at our lives, our bodies, our systems, they're all purposeful and they all come from a place of purpose. And you think about like the way we live and, and the birds and, 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 and spiders, like they create these things and, and build these like webs or they build like nests or, you know, you'll see like the sun, you know, helps the, the, the plants to grow, the grow, the, the plants give life to the, the bees and the bees carry it on. There's all this level of purpose around us and design, I feel, is just a natural extension of our lives. And so when I talk to communities of color about it, I'm always telling them like, yeah, there's certain aspects of design that is specific to you having certain skills around either illustrations or design and and typography and all of that stuff. But the gist of it is, is that we are coming up with a method. Design is a method for allowing individuals to be able to provide some level of purpose or understanding so that other people or other things, other species can then fit into some sort of either system or way of helping to sort of help them do something better or help them to live their lives productively. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of a, a... reflective thing that I've had over the years because I've worked with a lot of kids. I've worked with a lot of people. I've been designing for a very long time and, you know, I've designed for hundreds of millions of people. And there are certain things that are very common when it comes to design that you see not only just in the things that we design, but just in generally in life. And they all fit into the same categories in terms of how they are very purpose-driven. And it's just very interesting if you step back and you look at some of these things that that are around us every day. Yeah, it sounds like you're not just, like with the work that you do, you're not just helping these young people find their their spacing in in design, but also just how to be a better human in, in, a, in a real way. You know, before we close up here, what I wanted to do, and we'll link the Interact Project here below as well so that you know all the listeners can can know exactly where to go to learn more about that but what message do you want to leave for the next generation of young designers in their journey wherever they are in their journey like what would what would be one lesson that you would want to leave them with i think the one lesson i would want to leave them with is that we have to think about the power that we have as black Latinx folks in this country and how we can use our talent, specifically for designer, our talent to help uplift and bring real clarity to who we are as people. Who we are and and how we've been defined in this country has been so misrepresented. And if you think about, you know, the various different roots of all of this oppression, they stem across a lot of things that bind us from being able to not only do, but even think that we can do things. Yeah. And it's all design, dude. It's all design. You think about like police brutality. You know, you know where that stuff comes from. It's like, it's the visual messages that, that are portrayed about our people has been designed to a way where people think that black men and black women are unsafe when we're not. But 
those visual messages carry, and they carry globally. They're not a national and United States thing. They're global. You know, I've been all over the world, and I'm telling you, like, it may not be in everybody's heart, but there is a stigma around the black man and black woman that around being dangerous or, or maybe not being as smart as others. And it's just, it just carries across and it's been a narrative that has been has misrepresented people of color for a very long time. Black people have been under the guise of that. And I think that it stems into the reason why you see police who don't live in our communities, by the way, have these perceptions of being scared of, oh, this person has this, I have this perceived notion about this person that I've never met in this community that I don't live in. Why is that? You don't have conversations with these people at all. You don't live in their communities. You don't know what they're up against. But you've seen these things. Those things that they're seeing are not being designed by Black people. You see what I'm saying? They're being designed by other people that are misrepresenting our culture and young people have to challenge that and take that on. That's a fight worth fighting for. And, you know, the best way to do that is get in these positions, you know, and be at these tables and be representatives for your people. Yeah. You know, it's hard, but, you know, it's not just about trying to work at a big company. You know, people tend to want to do that. And I've done it. I've certainly been a part of that. I've wanted to work with big companies. I've done it. And that's fine. But it's not about trying to get to a big company. Sometimes it's about creating a big company. Yeah. And I think like we have been trained, you know, not just black people, but just people in general that, you know, we go to college and, and then, you know, after college, we get a job and, you know, and then we go work for the man. So we, we start <laughs> off in the oppression area and then we go and we, we get our stuff and then we go back into the oppression. Yeah. And then we're like, man, we're oppressed. <laughs> They're like, yeah. well, you know, that's because the system has been designed that way. Stuck in a loop, right? right? So the question, and here, here's the thing, like, I'm not saying that we shouldn't work at these companies. Like, I, I mean, look at me. I, I work at Microsoft. I worked at Yahoo. I've worked at Pentagrams. And I work at all these places. And that's fine, you know. But we should have some contextual understanding of our place in society and how we can uplift our communities. And it's not going to come from anybody else but us. Yeah, that's beautiful. So at some point, we have to say, yeah, you know, I can work with this company, but I also can do this to help this young brother and this young sister out. I can, you know, participate in this event because I really want, you know, kids at this school to learn about design and have that opportunity to learn about how they can, you know, create opportunities for themselves. Because when you think about design, we're designing things that millions of people are using all the time. You, you think about all these big companies, it's driven by the visual. And I'm saying that I'm, when I say visual, it's not, that I'm seeing like an illustration or just a photo. It's also how you design things. You know, I'm working a lot on inclusion design. And when you are designing a mobile app or a system for someone, are you taking in consideration the lived experiences of those people that you're designing for? And how do you do that if you've never lived in those communities and you don't come from those communities, but you're designing 
quote unquote, for everyone. How do you do that? You got to be talking to people. You got to have people that have had those lived experiences as part of that conversation. And I'm excited about it because I see young people stepping up. Young people is like, you know what? We ain't going for this no more. We finna, we finna go in here. And that's very promising to me. I, I'm very proud of, you know, a, a lot of young designers and that I'm seeing, you know, in very different areas that are starting conferences and having discussions and talking about various different things and, you know, young black men, women that they're getting their money on. They, they go into these companies, <laughs> they're doing their thing and they're representing us good. And that's promising to me because that tells me that black people were thinking about like, how do we also, you know, become engaged and be a part of this whole process of designing and representing, you know, not only our people, but other people, but just having a voice, having that voice and that seat at the table is just critical for us at this point. Love it. Well, again, this was an amazing conversation, Mo. Thank you for joining me and thank you for all of the the gems that you dropped today. I know it's going to help a lot of people and we will have all of the information linked below for anyone that wants to follow up on the Interact Project or any of the work that uh, Mo is doing. Mo, thanks again. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me.